1 Corinthians 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared first to Cephas, and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all to me. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses of God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life, if we have hope in Christ, we are all people most to be pitied. But... Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Thank you so much, Nikki. Well, good morning. Happy Resurrection Day. Beautiful day in the Lord. And what a beautiful truth that we are going to look at this morning. April Fool's Day, 1957. It was known as the Great Spaghetti Tree Hoax. It was a three-minute hoax, and it was reported by BBC in Britain on a program called Panorama. And they, they revealed this story of a family in southern Switzerland harvesting spaghetti from their family spaghetti tree farm. Thousands upon thousands believed it and called into the BBC saying, we want to order the spaghetti tree. (laughs) In the UK at the time, very little was known about spaghetti and how it was made. They didn't understand that it came from wheat flour and water. And so they bought the tree. They tried to anyway. Decades later, CNN called this broadcast the biggest hope that any reputable news establishment had ever pulled off in time. Was the resurrection of Jesus Christ just a big hoax? 
April Fools to us? Was it a joke? Many have tried to keep Jesus in the grave. James Cameron is one of them. He's the producer, the director of Avatar fame. And he went on this journey and took a movie crew with him to say, listen, we need to go to Jerusalem and Talpiot. And there we found these ossuaries that we believe are the family tombs of Jesus and his family. We've discovered that on these tombs are are written the names Yeshua bar Joseph, Jesus, son of Joseph, and Mary Ann is there, and Mary, and other boxes with Mary's name on them, and Joseph, and Judas. The filmmaker has argued that Jesus' family is located here. We're seeing on, on the ossuaries, Mary Magdalene was also there. And we're seeing that in the family tomb, it's Mary Magdalene, it's also Judas, and Jesus. And Judas, we believe, James Cameron says was the son of Jesus and Mary Magdalene. And so here's the family tomb that we have found. Let's keep Jesus in the grave. Under scrutiny, none of that held up. And actually several, several were arrested for antiquities fraud. But like Nikki read, 1 Corinthians 15.20, But in fact, Christ Jesus has been raised from the dead. And you know what's true? You in this room, many, many, many of you in this room, bear witness to that fact by your transformed lives from the salvation and the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. So let's pray that God's resurrection power will pour out upon this room this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we know that your resurrection is for real. We know because you've changed our lives, Father, from the inside out. And Father, people keep trying to keep you in the grave, but they cannot. Because you have conquered sin and death, and you rose again. And today, Father, we want to glorify you. I pray that through your Holy Spirit, your resurrection power will pour into this room. I know there's some in this room who have walked away from you, God. They've struggled in their journey. And they've turned away. Would you draw them close today through your resurrection power? And I know there's some in this room who have never known you as their Lord and Savior, never received you as their Lord and Savior. And I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would come upon them and reveal to them your resurrection, that you are indeed the risen Christ, that you are indeed the Savior of the world, and that you offer forgiveness and salvation to any who would believe upon you. Father, minister that to us this morning, I pray. We thank you, God, for your amazing love for us. We thank you for your Son, Jesus. And we thank you for the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen. This morning I want to look with you at Corinthians 15, a wonderful chapter where Paul is teaching the Corinthians who are kind of struggling in their faith. He says, I want to remind you of a couple things, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, 
and that you received. I want to remind you of the good news amidst the journey and amidst the questions. Which, you know what, that's the reality of our faith, isn't it? We, we have questions. Sometimes we don't understand. And so Paul addresses it. But a very important thing that they're struggling with, the resurrection of Jesus. I want to step in and I want you to know the truth, the gospel that I've taught you. You see, the Greeks are teaching you that Christ did not raise from the dead in His body. It wasn't a bodily resurrection. It was just spirit. They believe that the body was corrupt and, and let's get rid of this flesh. It's just the spirit that has risen. And Paul says, oh, no, 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 no. That's not true. You have been transformed by the life, the death, the body resurrection of Jesus. This is the gospel that you have received, that you heard, that you know. I love how Tim Keller defines the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. He says this, You are more sinful than you ever dared believe. We really are a mess. We really are. And you are more loved than you ever dared hope. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. And because of His resurrection, you can have life. You can have new life in Him. The gospel you received, it's grace that came upon you. It's the good news. His life, death, and resurrection are true. And you believed upon Him. And this salvation didn't come from your own efforts, your attempts to be right with God. You couldn't do enough sacrifice. You couldn't make enough offerings. You couldn't be good enough. How many people say to you, but I'm a good person. Oh, no, you're not. Without Christ living in you, you'll never be good enough. For it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. Ephesians 2.8 And this is not your own doing. What is it? It's a gift of God. Here's my grace. It's not a result of your works. Why? So that none of us can boast and say, I did it. This is the gospel you received. So stand firm upon it. Don't let, don't let what the Greeks are telling you and don't buy into the lie. Don't buy the spaghetti tree. Because the truth of the resurrection is solid rock. You can stand upon it. It's not like my son's been experiencing in Montecito, California, where all of a sudden all these mudslides just pouring down. There's no firm foundation there. Don't believe the lie. Christ has risen. And His resurrection has given us the power over sin and death. He has delivered that. Believe it. And He rose in His body. And you are being saved, dear Corinthians and dear saints. God keeps doing His work as you received Him. He is making you new. He's transforming you. He's cleansing you. Because here's what we know as followers of Jesus Christ. Man, we keep sinning. And the good news of the Gospel of Jesus Christ is that and He keeps working on us and forgiving us our sin. He knows we're a mess in need of a Savior. He knows we can't go through life without Him. And His cleansing, purifying grace that pours out on us. 
He is doing this good work in us. Believe it. You know what's going on in you. His resurrection gives you hope of life and hope for eternity. You can stand firm on the promises of God and what He's doing with, through His Son, Jesus. You can have salvation and new life and eternal life with Him. Listen to Ephesians 2.4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of great love in which He loved us. If there's one thing you need to know this morning, I try to tell it to you often. If there's one thing you ever need to know about God, is that He radically loves you. Deeply. Profoundly. He knows your sin. Like Adrienne shared with us this morning in song and in word, right in the middle of our sin, right in the middle of our mess, He died for us. There is no sin that can outstand, outlast the love of God. He did this. He loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, in our sin, here's what He did. He made us alive together with Christ. And it's by grace that you've been saved. And He has raised us up, and He has seated him, seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen to that? We are raised up and we are made alive in Christ. You can stand on that. Corinthians, dear saints, why are you believing what the Greeks are telling you? That there is no bodily resurrection. It's a lie. We have a certain hope in the resurrection of Jesus. And you can have that as well. So hold on to this truth. Otherwise our faith is just in vain. It's of no worth. It's as if we're just going through the motions of trying to be religious somehow. Trying to say the right words to look like we're Christians. But it has no weight. If again, it's just lip service unto God. Christopher Hitchens, who is a well-known atheist, he had an interview with a Unitarian pastor, minister. Hitchens is known for his book, God is Not Great, and Why Religion Poisons Everything. Absolute atheist. Doesn't believe in God, obviously doesn't believe in the resurrection. But the minister in the interview, the minister said this, well, I'm a liberal Christian. I don't take the stories from scriptures literally. I don't believe in the doctrine of atonement, that Jesus died for our sins, for example. It's all just a nice story. Here's what the atheist Hitchens said. And I love his response. I would say that if you don't believe that Jesus of Nazareth was Christ and Messiah, and that he rose again from the dead, and that by his sacrifice our sins are forgiven, then I would say you're not a Christian at all. That's the gospel. Amen. We stand firm on the truth of the resurrected Jesus Christ. His death, his life, his resurrection in body are true, even if we don't believe it. There's many who are still trying to say the earth is flat. Truly, even this day, trying to prove it. 
And even though they believe that, it's not true. The resurrection of our Savior in his body is true. It is no April Fool's joke. You're not buying the spaghetti tree on this one. You're buying the real deal. You're believing in faith that Jesus Christ died for our sin and that he rose again. I said to you, and I brought it to you, verse 3 says, of first importance that Christ died for our sins, true, in accordance with the Scriptures. That he was buried, true, according to the Scriptures. He was raised on the third day, true, according to the Scriptures. Isaiah 53 pours it all out. It's not something just made up. Jesus wasn't just some great teacher. It's historical fact that he died on the cross. We have records of it. Eyewitness testimony that he was buried. Historical accounts all over the place of that. But his resurrection is what we keep challenging. Was James Cameron right? Was it the best April Fool's joke ever? The resurrection never happened. Many have said that Jesus' teachings are just about some higher truth. It's, again, just a, a really nice Bible story. There's a scene where Jesus is walking on the road to Emmaus. He's resurrected. And he encounters two disciples on the way to Emmaus. And what John Dominic Crossan says is this. Well, these are just wonderful legends. And examples of Emmaus, these stories of Emmaus and Jesus in his resurrected body encountering his disciples. Well, the truth is, it's, it's just a higher truth. Emmaus always happens because of these beautiful higher truths and these stories to, to give us truth about hope and forgiveness. Isn't that nice? But Jesus is saying, I'm not a symbol of some higher truth. I'm really here. I'm here in the flesh. I'm here in the bones. Touch me. And then I love when Jesus encounters, he comes in the room with the disciples. He's like, hey, touch me. And then he does this. Hey, feed me. I'm hungry. If that's not real body, I don't know what is. That's just not some ethereal spirit floating around in the air. Jesus Christ rose from the dead in his body. It's not just some higher truth. We look for validation in this. And the truth is we have validation. Historical accounts, eyewitness testimony. And he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve and he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of whom are still alive, the apostle was saying. Some have fallen asleep. He appeared to James, and he appeared to all the apostles. Eyewitness testimony. This is how we develop historical accounts. We verify it. The more eyewitnesses you have, the more verification you have. Not just people from the Bible. This is historical accounts throughout history. People saw Jesus after he had been crucified after he had been put in the tomb, they saw him walking around. Acts 1.3 says this, He presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, 
appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Not just something made up. I witnessed testimonies, over 500. Here's one of the things. If you want to make a great story, if you want to pull a great spaghetti tree hoax, you're going to do it the best way you can. Now, here's the reason it wasn't made up, just as far as eyewitness testimony and why you can bank on it. In the gospel accounts, one of the first things, especially Luke says, is, hey, listen, the first people to encounter the resurrected Jesus were the women. Are you kidding? That is not a way to plan this wonderfully developed story, to create a legend, because women had no value during the time. They were not allowed to give testimony in court. Their testimony was not considered of any weight. If you're going to develop this great hoax, if you're going to make up a story, if you're going to create a religion, let me tell you something. There's no reason you would start out with women. And no... No offense to you women, that's just the way it was in the day. Why would Luke include the names of these women to say they were the first ones to encounter Jesus? Why? Because it happened. It's eyewitness testimony. It's account. He knew that this would give no validity to his court case. But it happened. Resurrected Jesus showed up and he changed life forever. Richard Bachman says this. Richard Bachman's a, a great historian and a theologian, and he has this amazing book, Jesus and the Eyewitnesses. I would recommend it to you, but it's 600 pages. It's a good read. But it really gives good account for why these eyewitnesses are valuable. He says, listen. This, this, the marks and everything that's laid out in the scriptures, it's not the marks of vision literature, like you're creating some sort of religion. But the way it's laid out is eyewitness testimony. He goes, it's amazing. They laid out all the names. Hey, on the road to Emmaus, it talks about Cleopas, and it talks about the women, and Joanna, and it names the women. Why are they naming specific people? Why are they intentional like this? And he says, because... This is given in eyewitness testimony. And these names that were given, they are like footnotes. It was like your way of saying, hey, listen, you want to check out that what I'm saying is true? Here's the names of the people. And guess what? They're still alive. Go talk to them. They've seen the resurrected Christ. Go talk to them. Firm eyewitness testimony. Validity of Jesus. 500 witnesses and more and more and more saw him. What also adds to the validity of the resurrection is one of these amazing things in Luke 24, 52. After Jesus ascended, here's what it says about the disciples, the followers of Jesus, who were following him again in his resurrected body. Here's what it says. Luke 24, 52. And they worshipped him. They worshipped him. Now let me tell you why that's important and why it validates the resurrected body of Jesus. There is no way in heck that a good Jew would worship a God who came in human body. Are you kidding? They couldn't even say the name Yahweh. There is no way in heck that good Jewish people are going to say, I worship 
this God who came in human body. Won't happen. And they worshipped him because he was resurrected. Because he was God in the flesh. Because he was their savior. Because he died and he rose again. And they worshipped him. And they preached the truth of the resurrection as fact in the early church. And many died following this resurrected Savior. And here's what we know is true today. Many still die, and even this very day, as followers of Jesus Christ. Why in the world would you live your life that way if it was just some great spaghetti tree hoax? Some April Fool's joke. Paul tries to bring about to the Corinthians a logical argument, but now he's going to go personal. Now he's going to go to you and me. The greatest testimony, the greatest validation was Paul's personal transformation. The guy who was out killing Christians, this guy who hated them, he was going to persecute the way. And the resurrected Jesus got a hold of his life. Last of all, verse 8 says, He appeared also to me. This is what Jesus does. He makes Himself known to us. Even when we're against Him and running away from Him, He makes Himself known to us. He's doing that with you this morning, for those of you who don't know Him. And for those of you who've run away from Him. He's revealing Himself to you. Receive that right now. He's saying, receive my grace. That's what He did with Paul. Paul, you hate me. You hate everything about my way. And on the road to Damascus, God got a hold of him and changed his life forever. He went from a hater of Christians and those following Jesus to an absolute lover of them and became the greatest evangelist of all time for Christ. You see... The resurrected Jesus appeared to 500, appeared to the apostles, and he also appeared to me. When the resurrected Jesus gets a hold of your life, he changes you forever, from the inside out. You are a new creation in Christ. And you have new life. That's what he does. I have a good friend in this church family who I really love. But as he tells me his story... When he was a younger man and in the construction business and just kind of in life, he really got into a lot of bad situations with Hispanic Latino people. And he hated them. Hated them. Deeply. He tells the story at times there were some he really wanted to murder. They went that deep, the hatred. And then God met him on the road to Damascus, so to speak, and changed his life from the inside out. Changed him forever. He received God's grace. He didn't take a course, 10 steps to loving my Latino neighbor. And here's how I can muster up just enough love. No, God changed his heart from hate to love. Let me tell you what he's doing with his life today. He spends at least six months, at least six months out of the year in Peru in Guatemala, and he's building churches, and he's building centers for people, and he's helping students go through college. 
And you know what he would say this very day? He would say, that's my family. That's my family. That only happens through a resurrected Jesus. And you need to know that. It's true. Here's all the logical argument. Here's the validation. And that's all fine and good. Thank you, Father, for giving us that. But that's not what changes us. It's the resurrected Christ and it's us surrendering our lives unto Him that changes our hearts forever and gives us salvation and life now and life eternity for eternity. Christ transforms us. He's transformed many in our body who were in prison, done some stupid things, had hurt many lives. And God got a hold of them in prison. And now you know what they're doing with their lives? And they're part of this body. I love it. Now they're doing with their lives, hey, how can I serve in the prisons? How can I share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that he changes us forever and gives us hope? Men and women filled with hate, now filled with love. That only comes with the resurrection of Jesus. And what happens is that all of a sudden, all this joy pours into our lives. When we are transformed by the love, by the resurrected Jesus, we have joy that goes deep beyond anything that we ever imagined. A new creation, profound joy, happiness in the Lord. When the women encountered the resurrected Jesus, the Gospels say they ran off with incredible joy to share this good news. They couldn't contain the joy. We're all searching for joy, aren't we? We're all searching for happiness. Where does it come from? Where do we find real happiness? Well, the answer to that is in Finland. (laughs) According to the World Happiness Report of 2018, it was just released last month, by the way, the article from the happiness, World Happiness Report says this, Happy are the Nordic nations. Finland is the happiest place in the world to live. Followed by Norway and Denmark, Iceland, Switzerland. Where do you think the United States is on all that? Actually, we're 18th. 18th out of 156 nations surveyed. If you want to be happy, go to Finland. But here's what the resurrected Jesus speaks to our lives. If you want the greatest joy in life, it comes in relationship with our resurrected Christ who changes us forever. He makes us new. And this is what happened to Paul. Changed forever. This is the offer to each and every one of us. New life, salvation, forgiveness for your sins. This is the offer to each of us. Everything rests on the resurrection. If there is no resurrection, there is no joy. If there is no resurrection, you've bought the spaghetti tree. Joke's on you. If Christ hasn't been raised, then James Cameron was right. Then all the teaching from the Word of God that's been poured out, it's a waste. The Bible is a joke. If He isn't resurrected, then we are still stuck in our sin. We have no way out. There is no hope. Those who have died before us, they just return to the ground and the worms. If it's fake, there's no eternity. This life is uncertain. 
There is no hope. All we live for is this earthly existence. And what Paul says, we are to be the most pitied of all people. If Christ was not raised, then it's all a wash. And when we're done with church today, let's just go home and worship the bunny. You know, the world offers promises for life, for happiness, more money, happiness in Finland, all kinds of candy on Easter, all these things to have life. The world offers it and says, if you do this, if you achieve this, this will give you life. Yet all these promises are full of emptiness. But Easter offers emptiness full of promise. Empty cross, empty tomb, empty grave clothes, all full of promise. Because as verse 20 says, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. And since he has been raised from the dead, then all that is brought forth in the word is true and can be trusted. That our sins have been atoned for. We are forgiven as we place our life in Christ. The resurrection changed the course of humanity. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, he came back not to his old life, but to new life. A new resurrection of life in his body. And because he's been raised from the death, death has not triumphed over our loved ones or over us. We will see them again. We trust God's goodness in knowing our hearts. Because he's been raised from the dead, life has meaning and it's full of purpose. Because he's been raised from the dead, we know that Christ will return And that the resurrected body, he will return. He will come as king of kings. And all of us who have relationship with Christ will be coming with him. We will be placed with him in eternity forever. The truth of the resurrection brings hope and encouragement and joy and life. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that you can have this life as you surrender unto Jesus. Aren't you tired of living with guilt and shame, heaviness and brokenness? Today, receive His grace. Today is the day. Today can be the day of salvation for you. Today is a day of renewal for you. A day of new beginnings. Maybe you've walked away from the Lord. Today's the day you return. God stands with arms wide open waiting for you. Maybe you've never invited Jesus to be Lord of your life, invited Jesus into your heart. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. Today is the day of your salvation if you'll receive him into your heart. So I just want to take some time to pray. Pray to our resurrected Lord. I'd like for you all to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to take time to pray for renewal, that you would have a time to pray for God to do a new work into your life. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to Jesus because you've walked away. I want to pray with you that you would do that. I want to pray with you that you would, if you've never known Jesus, 
And if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now, I want to pray with you and lead you into asking Jesus to be Lord of your life. Let's take some time to pray. Just be still. Let God, don't worry about anybody around you. Just let God minister to you. If you've walked away from the Lord, pray this prayer of rededication with me in your heart. Father, forgive me for walking away from you. Your word says that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive our sins, and you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so I confess my sins. I thank you for your forgiveness and for cleansing me. Father, I desire a closer walk with you, Lord. Your word says that if I draw close to you, you will draw close to me. And so, Father, I rededicate my spirit, my mind, my soul, and my body back to you. I ask for a fresh anointing upon my whole life. I thank you for the blood of Jesus, which continually cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you, Lord, for renewing me today. I want to live for you. And if you want to receive Jesus for the first time, if you want to receive new life and be transformed forever, then pray in your heart with me. Lord Jesus, for too long I've kept you out of my life. I know that I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself. No longer will I close the door when I hear you knocking. By faith, I gratefully receive your gift of salvation. I am ready to trust you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to earth. I believe you are the Son of God who died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again on the third day. I receive you. Thank you for burying my sins and giving me the gift of eternal life. I believe your words are true. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my Savior. Amen. Keep your eyes still closed, would you? If you prayed this morning, and dear saints, I want you to be praying for those in this body whose hearts have been touched by Jesus. I want you right now to be praying for them. For rededication, for renewal, I want you to be praying for those who don't know Jesus and have surrendered their heart. But if the resurrected Jesus got a hold of your life today, for those of you who have walked away, and you've rededicated your life this morning, would you rise up, please? Would you rise up in the resurrection of Jesus and receive his blessing? If you've chosen to say, Lord, I want to follow you more, rise up in him. Amen. And if you, for the first time, have said, Lord, I need you as my Lord and Savior. And I don't even understand all this, but I rise up. I receive you as Lord and Savior. Would you rise up as a new child of Christ and receive your Savior and let us acknowledge you? Amen. Let me pray for us as a body. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your resurrection. I thank you that it wasn't a joke. I thank you, Father, for your goodness and your life in us. Father, you died on the cross for our sins. You were buried. And on the third day, you rose again. 
And as followers of you, Jesus, you have given us new life. You have transformed us forever. And Father, we give you praise for that and glory and honor. And we want to say this morning, Lord Jesus, we love you and we acknowledge you as a resurrected Jesus, as a resurrected Christ. You are our Lord. You are our Savior. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Lord Jesus, we love you. In your beautiful and precious name, Jesus, amen. Let us rise up in the power of the resurrection and let us give praise to our Lord and Savior, Jesus.